Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here, along with cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast, for all podcast updates and more. we got a great show planned tonight. We are going to do a Keys to Success episode tonight. Uh, we'll each offer five of our keys to success for the 21 season. Uh, and we'll just talk about these and debate them. We'll see uh, if we can get some interesting debates here or takes. Tyler, what are your five keys to success for the Huskers in uh, 2021? Okay. Doing all five of them at once. Okay. Um, Cross cool. your five and then we'll uh, see where we are. Yeah, my, my number five is how good is Cam Taylor Britt? I think uh, if, if he is an all-American type guy, I think that'll play a big part in our uh, success heading into 2021. Um, number four is how well does Scott Frost coach into the strength of this team, which is defense. Um, a little bit more on that to come. Number three is an emergence of a uh, specialty or a, a weapon, uh, running back or wide receiver. Uh, number two, turnover margin. And number one, the health and utilization of Adrian Martinez in the run game. Those are my five key areas. Okay. Uh, Derek, what are yours? I, I, mine aren't anywhere near tires, I guess. Uh, my number five is pass rush. Like, can, we, can we generate a pass rush? Uh, it seems to have been plaguing Nebraska the last three or four years. It seems to be getting better, but it needs to get still a ton better than what it has been. Uh, special teams improvement. Again, we see areas of improvement, but it all needs to improve, especially when it comes to uh, average yards per uh, starting drive. Like, it's just we got to stop giving, giving up big kickoff returns and getting more touchbacks, getting better returns, blah, blah, blah. Uh, number three, I – this is a little similar to Tyler's, but I, I to me it was getting, just getting a running back established. Period. Not necessarily a wide receiver. I think we have enough wide receivers to to make a splash, but uh, we we need a running back to emerge. And maybe that's part of uh, what Tyler was saying about keeping Adrian healthy, and that kind of kind of goes into that. But uh, number two, I have Adrian's health. Like it, he's got to stay healthy. We're in trouble if he doesn't. Uh, I don't know if we're I, we're in as much trouble as what. Some people do, but I don't even want to see it. I don't want to have to worry about it. I just want to see Adrian stay healthy. And and for me, no, number one is turnover margin. Like we we gotta quit giving the ball away. We gotta start getting some takeaways. All right, so we have a we have a lot of overlap here between the three of us, and I will break down my five here. Number five is special teams play improvement, primarily you know in the kickoffs and touchback arena. Number four, turnover margin. Number three, commit commitment to running the running backs. 
Two for me is downfield passing improvement. Got to see a lot of better uh, downfield passing. And one, it's health of Adrian Martinez. Uh, we're all there. I think for me, that is the most important thing of the season. Because if something happens to Adrian Martinez, if he's not healthy, our season's fucked, man. We're just screwed. So uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about that since we all have Adrian Martinez in our top two here. Uh, Tyler, what what were you going to say about Adrian Martinez utilization health? Well, I, I think there is a popular opinion going around that, that they want to see Adrian Martinez stay in single-digit carries. And, and I've ta- brought this up on the podcast before, um, and, and I get that. I think we all need we, – we all want him to be healthy. We all understand this. I just don't know how dynamic Nebraska's offense is going to be is if you run him seven, eight times a game. I, I think that him running the ball is still one of our key weapons and one of the key ways we're going to win the game. So to me, it's about how you run him and when you decide to run him. Um, you know, I've heard people say we don't don't run him in the tackles. Well, he runs pretty well in between the tackles. I mean, that that quarterback power is a really effective weapon, effective play for us. So, like, I think it's just a matter of okay, maybe let's try to give it to a running back when you're on the goal line first. Maybe on first down, let's not run that quarterback power. Um, how about in the first six games, let's not run in 13 times a game. Maybe have those first six games eight, nine times a game. And then as the season goes on, yeah, get him the 14, 15 carries a game where he was last year um, in the games that we need. To me, that's really the key of how you do it. It's not just simply, hey, we got to keep him healthy at all costs. Don't run him because then why do you have him? I mean, like you got to use what his strengths are. Agree. Dirk, when you talk about Adrian Martinez health, what are you referring to? Well, one, th- one thing I want to say about what Tyler just said is one thing I disagree with what you said is you're talking about it's first and goal, don't run him. And I'm like, who cares? In the goal line situation, I don't care, run him. Uh, now, if you're at the 50 yard line, maybe you don't need to run him. And maybe maybe we need to start sliding more and getting out of bounds more. Uh, but but I, when it's a goal line situation, I have no problem with you running him. If, if that's the best play to get us a touchdown, whatever. Um, I, I, again, I, it, it's the unknown that's so scary because nobody knows what we have behind Adrian Martinez. And it, it doesn't mean that I think uh, Henrik Harburg can't come in and play or Logan Smothers can't come in and play. It's just we don't know if they can or not. And so you don't want to see it, but it, it's more scary, I think, than what Justin's saying where you're totally fucked. I, I don't know if you're totally fucked. Oh, we are. Just, I think we are. I don't know that you are. I mean, I don't know how you could possibly know that we're fucked. We have no clue what we have behind them. Well, this this happens in every team with most every team that has a multi-year starter at quarterback. Where if he goes down, they're screwed. I mean, they have more quarterbacks in the system for a reason. And it, again, it's scary. It's not something I want to see. I and I think it depends on who he goes down against, or you know, the situ the situation, how long he's out for too. But so my thoughts are last year headed in all in the off season. We were, we always heard about uh, Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. They were propping it up to be co number ones on the uh, offense for a quarterback co number ones. And then we find out that Luke McCaffrey is probably the worst power five quarterback to play the game last year. You're not hearing any of that push for Adrian Martinez this year. As a matter of fact, 
neither one of those two, Logan Smothers or Harburg, have even separated from themselves. And I find it hard to believe that Harburg, coming in in his very first year as a true freshman, just getting new to the program, uh, if he's like at odds with Logan Smothers, that's not making me feel good. I don't know if Adrian Martinez is being pushed like the way that he needs to be. Uh, so if either of these two guys come in, Logan Smothers or Harburg, they've never taken a Division One snap, and you're throwing them in the game, it's not going to be good. This is, I mean, the drop off from Adrian Martinez to these two guys is significant. Well, I, it's not I, like I'll, a drop off from Austin Allen to Travis Vokalak. What, what I'm saying is, what I, what I hope we see, and this is all hope, is that in the first three games, we get plenty of chances to see what these other two quarterbacks can do, or at least one of the two. You know, and it'll be a backup time, and that's fine, but I think it'll rest your mind a little bit if you see him moving the offense. Right. I mean, out of every single position, though, that we have on offense and defense, if a starter goes down, I feel comfortable with the next next man up mentality. You can say next man up for any other position on offense and defense except quarterback. You just can't say it. You can't feel good about it. Oh, again, again I, I wouldn't feel good about it. I just don't think it's end of the season necessarily. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't feel comfortable with it. I don't think our record would be – it's not going to be 8-4 and four, like I think it's going to be with Adrian. I mean, it's like but, a six-game uh, difference. <laughs> between. I, I don't guys. think it's that big. I, yeah. Because I, I, I think they will improve as they play too. Like you get them in some game-time situations, they're going to improve throughout the year. Tyler, I know you want to chime in here. Well, I, yeah, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like, I think that, you know, are we going bowling without Adrian? If Adrian doesn't play a snap all season, um, no, I don't think that's the case. But, could you know, if he goes down at halftime against Purdue, could Logan's mothers come in and keep the pace? You know, I, I, I do think that he's capable. I don't think he's inept. Um you know, I I think it is a matter of when he gets healthy. I think when he gets hurt and how bad he gets hurt. Like, could we could Logan's mothers come in and win a game in the Big Ten? I think the answer is yes. Do I see him going into October and going five hundred, which is probably what Nebraska needs to do to have the season that we want to have? No. Does he have any shot of beating a Wisconsin or Ohio State? No, but I don't know how great Adrian's chances of winning those games are either. So, I, I, again, I think it's a matter of when and what circumstances it is. Um, so I kind of probably am in the middle of you guys right there. So I don't know. You know, I, I think you're basically saying what I'm saying. I mean, I, it's not like I think we're going to win a ton of games without Adrian. I mean, it's a, it's a very big concern. I, I'm not saying that all of a sudden, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine without him. I'm not trying to say that because it is a very big concern. So I don't think you and you and I are that far off, Tyler. So if, like, a, I, if Adrian doesn't play a snap, do we go bowling? I, if Adrian, probably not. From, from from start of season to end of season, probably not. Okay. Yeah, but then but again, it, be, it becomes it, it becomes a pro, a, a situation of when he gets hurt and how long he's hurt for too. Like, and I said that. I mean, like that that is a big problem. That is a big situation too. So I mean. It, here, here, here's the thing. Like with Adrian Martinez, we're eleven and sixteen, which is almost a forty-one percent win percentage, which isn't great anyway. But without him, we're one and four, which is a twenty percent clip. So, no, I don't feel comfortable if he's gone. 
But I, I just don't think it's quite the end of the world the way Justin does. Is all I'm saying. Well, uh, I just want to clarify. I'm not talking about like if he misses like a half a game or something. I'm talking about significant time. If he misses significant significant time and multiple games, I just don't know. Outside of Fordham and Buffalo, I don't know who our, one of our backups could be. Uh, let's move on to uh, turnover margin. All of us had turnover margin. Both of you had it very high. Derek, this was your number one. Tyler, this is your number two, and this is my number four. Uh, Derek, why is turnover margin your number one? Well, because I'm going to read a little stats here to you. Uh, so in 2018, Nebraska was 0-6 when they had negative turnover margin. With positive turnover margin, they were two and one, and went even when they were even on turnover margin, they were two and one as well. Uh, the only loss we had with a positive turnover margin was Ohio State with a plus two, and made a big difference on that season. You look at 2019; we were one and three with negative turnover margin. Our only win was against Illinois with minus three on turnover margin. Uh, with plus turnover margin, we were four and one. Looked good. Uh, for whatever reason, in 2019, this was kind of an anomaly, but we were 0-3 when we were even with turnover margin. And that's not good. So you got to start winning those games for sure. Right. And you definitely we need to keep winning the, the plus turnover. And, and then you look at 2020, and it's the same story. We were 1-4 with negative turnover margin. The only game we won was Rutgers, where we were minus three in turnovers. Uh, with positive turnover margin, we only had one game, and that was Penn State. Uh, and then with even turnover margin, we were one and one. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to go back through the years and just look at, well, we were minus 11 last year and we had a shitty year. And we looked at 2019 and I think we were even. And it was a better year. We still didn't win enough. But if you look at the actual, if you actually break the games down, you, you see what the difference is. Those are some great stats there, Derek. That is a great breakdown. Uh, Tyler, what, what do you have to add to the turnovers? Well, Derek, Derek took a lot of my thunder, and uh, he went further back than I did, and I knew that was going to happen. Um, yeah, so I let mean, me I ask think... you this, Tyler. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, go, ask me what, Justin. I was just going to ask you, like, as far as turnover margin, what can Nebraska do differently to, like, uh, change, to flip the script in the turnover margin? So so to me, when, when I looked at this, um, you know, I think a lot of people are going to make a um, a lot of – you know, big deal about like we need to stop turning the ball over. The the, the reality is we, we need to actually tur- get turnovers. Um, so last year, when you look at the stats of how many turnovers Nebraska actually caused or gained uh, throughout the season, we were 104th in the country. So, I mean, and again, obviously it's a weird season uh, because not everyone played the same games, but we only caught seven turnovers the whole year. That's one a game. That's not going to cut it. So, you know, I think it's an easy thing to say, well, Adrian needs to stop fumbling. And that is obviously true. Like, I, you know, he leads college football, FBS football under his tenure of fumbles. But we need to actually cause fun turnovers. And I think that comes with our secondary being a little bit more aggressive and making a couple more plays. I, I will say this. I, Adrian had done better with not not turning the ball over until that Rutgers game, and that totally screwed his – that one game skewed his turnover margin the whole for the whole year. It was atrocious, that game. I, other than that, he had, looked, he had appeared to have improved. Uh, a lot of where our minus 11 came from was Luke McCaffrey 
throwing six interceptions. And he fumbled a few times, too. He, he never had the fumbling issues that Adrian's had. And, and, and I will say that Adrian, if you look at 2018, 2019, fumbling was an issue there, too. So I get where you're coming from there. But all I'm saying is it did look to at least improve a little bit until that last game. I, I don't have the exact stat here, but isn't Adrian Martinez responsible for like 32 fumbles in his time at Nebraska? That sounds right. But to, to Derek's point. I thought it was in the 20s, 28 or 29, but I could be wrong. Maybe it's 32. It's somewhere in there, yeah. What were you going to say, Tyler? Well, I was going to say, I, I, this was more of what on the point of Derek was making, but like, so Adrian Martinez, I mean, and then I know he sat for the Penn State game and didn't really play much of Illinois, but he went from Northwestern to Rutgers with no turnovers. Like, I mean, I mean, that, I mean, yes, he didn't play every one of those games, but he, he did turn it up and do a lot better towards, um, and, and protecting the ball. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that is a, obviously a key, if if he can do it, and he showed over a multiple game stretch that he did fix that, and I think he and he only uh, had one turnover in Northwestern and only one turnover in Ohio State. So I mean, again, it, it's not that he was to your point. It wasn't he wasn't bad at turnovers until that Rutgers game. He lost a Big Ten high of five fumbles last season, uh, and I think four of those, three or four, at least three of those were against Rutgers, if not four of them. Anyway, yeah, turnovers. I mean, Andrew Martinez has turned the ball over uh, quite a bit. I, well, I, I want to add to that. I, it's not. I don't. I mean, it's so much not on Adrian Martinez either, though. Like, how many turnovers have we had because of bad snaps? Like, that's got to get fixed too. Yeah. Right? It's not as. It's not as bad as Adrian Martinez. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but it's a. It's a team wide thing too. Like, right. Uh, so 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 that needs to be fixed too, and. And, and to Tyler's point, we need to create more turnovers. And part of that's going to come down to what my fifth one was, was pass rush. I think if you can get some little more pressure on the quarterbacks, you can make them make a bad decision and have a bad pass and maybe pick a ball off here or there. All right, well, while you're talking about pass rush, uh, Derek, or, or I'm sorry, Tyler and I, we didn't have pass rusher listed in our top five. Uh, why, why are you including pass rusher in your top five keys to success? Uh, I, I guess for that reason alone, for, for the most part, uh, is the defense needs to create more turnovers, and I think that's the like best way to do it. Uh, I, I understand we're getting quarterback hurries, but we still only had like what, like eight or ten sacks last year total. I mean, it was it was atrocious, and you need to start getting some. I mean, we had three sacks against Ohio State, which didn't end up mattering, but I think we had zero against North, uh, Minnesota. And we end up losing that game. And it's not all because of sacks, but it's it's a big thing. Like, you're not putting any pressure on these quarterbacks. They're just sitting back there all day. And your secondary, as good as they are, can't cover guys all day long. I'm not disagreeing with you, but when I look at the five keys to success, uh, I, I'm not looking at defense. I thought our defense kept us in games last year uh, where no, we I, should I, win. I agree. I agree, but I but I think they still had some improvement. And I don't think they're not to blame at all. No, they're, so they're not to blame, I, so, but I think there's So, so a, I, I, th- I thought there was at least one stat you should have, that I that to my, in my view, was, it should have been at least one defensive stat in there. And that's the one stat that I, or, or not necessarily stat, but one problem on that defense that I thought, if you get that, I think that that defense becomes very, 
Very good. Well, they were a very they were a good defense. They weren't they weren't a great defense last year, but they were a very good defense. And all of them return. I think with uh, the depth that there's defensive line and at linebacker, I mean that's not a huge concern of me. I mean I think they're going to do what they're going to do. I think they're just going to be continue to get a better. So that's why I didn't have. No, them. but 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 can I can I add this? Like, doesn't that feel like the same song and dance? Doesn't it feel like we seem to say this every year? Like, oh, we got this these guys back and it's going to get better. I mean, we've been saying that about Ben Stilley for like the last four years, and. Not that Ben Stilley's doing bad, but it hasn't really gotten better, even with Ben Stilley coming back for the last four years. Like, it just seems like it's the same old song and dance. Like, we think our def- our, our uh, depth's getting better, and we think the we got enough coming back that it's going to get better. And like, sacks have been a, a, just atrocious under Frost. You're right, but the the stats and the metrics on the defensive side of the ball have been improving year over year. They have. They have. Tyler, what were you going to say? Well, I, I think to the point is I think you you brought up brought up Ben Stilley and, may, and maybe the pass rush that Derek's talking about comes from the front three, but I think it comes with a little uh, bit better utilization of these outside linebackers. I know you're high on uh, Payne. I I am on high on him too. He seems like a good pass rusher. I think JoJo Doman might be our best pass rusher that we have, but we use him in coverage so often that he doesn't really get a chance to rush it. So, like, how do they find a way to generate this pass rush? Is I mean, can JoJo blitz a little bit more? Do they put pain in on third down? Does Garrett Nelson learn a little bit better pursuit angles and actually close out on plays? Like, these are the things that need to get there. Um, I, I just don't know if we're going to see it from the front three. Well, okay, l- l- let me apologize. I, I wasn't trying to, to bash on Stilly. I mean, like, it was just... D- Justin said something about he, that was one of the first things he mentioned was the depth of the defensive line, and so I just it just feels like same song and dance. And I wasn't trying to bash on Steely because he's a good player. I'm not trying to say he can't do it or anything. I just when he's sitting there talking about the, the depth of the, the defensive line, it just feels like that's what we've been talking about forever now. Yeah, I, I mean, I've always been a Ben Steely fan, but I, I think he's like one of our best defensive linemen, and I've and said he that for is. years. Yeah, he, yeah. He he is. I'm not trying again. I'm not trying to bash him. I'm not trying to say he's not a good defensive lineman. I just he he's one that's been returning forever. It seems like he's been here for a long time. Right. Well, let's move on. So it just it just seems like that's what we've said for the last three or four years. Let's move on. Let's talk about running backs because running backs is our number three for all of us. Uh, Derek, you know your number three key to success is uh, establishing a running back. Mine was committing to uh, running the running backs and. Uh, Tyler, you had running back slash wide receiver. Uh, so let's talk about that. Uh, Derek, talk talk to us about the running backs, why you why you have them at number three. All right. So so I went back and I started looking at this, and I just want to throw this out there. And I, I, I came up with kind of an obscure number. I, I went up with 80 yards. Uh, so when, it, when a running back, and a true running back, has 80 yards or more, we're six and seven. Not great but much better than we are without a running back. Uh, when, we're, when our running back has less than, a, less than 80 yards, we're 6-13. and 13. Like, it's proving, it's, that to me right there is proving something that we, we need to establish a running back. Because a lot of those wins came under Divina Zigbo. There was a couple that came under Diedrich Mills. But when, Adi- when Divina Zigbo was running for 100 yards here and I mean, shit, he had some games 180 yards, 130 yards. When he does that, we win games. 
So I'm gonna so I, I, I'm gonna put you on the spot I, here a little bit, Derek. Do you know what our record, what Nebraska's record is over the last three years when a running back is over a hundred yards? Ah, I should have went back and looked at that, but no, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just went. I the reason I went with eighty yards is because I don't think there's a ton of games where we go over a hundred yards. That first year, I know Divina Zigbo did it, but like 2020, shit. There, I think there was only one game where there was a guy over 80 yards or over 100 yards, and that was that Rutgers game. Yeah, a not uh, a non quarterback rusher. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's and that's what I'm counting. I'm counting right. running backs only getting yeah. these run. There, there, I, I will say this: there was one game that I believe I counted. That was one of the losses in that six and thirteen that. Uh, uh, Wandell Robinson had over 80 yards, but I count that as not a not a running back. Like he was still a wide receiver that was running the ball. So okay. I, I didn't put that as one of the running backs over 80 yards because to me he wasn't a running back, uh, even if he lined up there sometimes. Uh, Tyler, talk to us about the running backs for your number three. Yeah, I mean, I I obviously mentioned wide receivers, and and I think they're really the same song and dance. Everything Derek said, I agree with. I think having a running back that can help. I just think we need weapons. I think that that to me is the question. Is I think I have more confidence in our wide receiver group, but they are the they are the same to me. They are a bunch of unproven guys, and I think that to me is like okay. Well, if Nebraska is going to have success, whether Obviously, I think you probably need a wide receiver and running back, and I am more confident wide receivers. But you need these guys to step up. Um, you know, it can't all fall on tight ends and Adrian Martinez. And like, we need a couple of these guys, a couple of these guys, to be actual playmakers consistently, and not just a bunch of average guys out there and see how it works. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... For Adrian Martinez to cut down on his carries, the staff has to have confidence in a running back, and they have to commit to him. They really have to trust that running back. If if they have a guy that they can really trust, well, then they won't need to run Adrian Martinez as much as they do. But finding that guy is part of the challenge. And I think there's a lot of good guys there. We're hearing three guys being mentioned right now that could possibly start. So... The big thing is finding one of those guys, trusting them, and actually committing to the run with the running back. Tyler? So you guys have talked a lot about this, and, and to a point, I agree with you, that, that it would be great to find the guy. Um, it would be, it'd be one guy. I don't know if it has to be one guy at running back. If it ends up being two guys and they split the load in one game, one guy has a good game, one game another guy does, I think it's a matter of how they find a way to utilize that in the games that really matter more than just, okay, it's going to be Gabe Irvin. It's going to be Gabe Irvin. He's going to be the guy, and you're going to stick with him. I mean, I, I think that the, the the ability of these coaches to figure out whatever that rotation is going to be, because I'll be honest, I don't know if we have that guy. I don't know if there is a guy on this roster that game in, game out is going to be the lead rusher, and you might have to go with a little bit of a hot hand tactic as long as you commit to that hot hand once you identify it. Derek? Well, and there's my problem right there is we haven't been able to establish a hot hand to stick with anybody. Like, we tried this last year. When Diedrich Mills went down, we went with this guy, this guy, this guy. We went with Marvin Scott a game. We went with Ramirez Johnson a game. We went with this, I mean, Ronald Tompkins, Ronald Tompkins game. first game, yeah. And, and Tyler, Tyler, you shake your head, but this is over three years. Like, 
This isn't like one time. The one year we've really had been successful with a running back was when they just when they said, "Okay, Greg Bell transferred out. Just give the ball to Divina Zigbo." And why did he transfer out? Because he became he no longer became the go to guy. He started yeah. out with as being the go to guy, and then uh, Maurice Washington got in there. And was there another guy in there? I mean, it was just. It's the running back. It was, it was Divina Zigbo. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he was he, he was proving that he changed his body a little bit and was and was doing things that Greg Bell just couldn't do. And he was holding on to the ball way better than Greg Bell, by the way. Too running back management has been a disaster for the staff for the last three years. It really has. I would say two. I would say the last two years. That first year, I thought they did fine. Well, I mean, but but they start they had. They started out with Greg Bell. I mean, the only reason that there was no controversy after that is because uh, Greg Bell is like, "Peace out, I'm out of here." I mean, maybe, but but let me let me but challenge. They, they found a hot hand. They stuck with him. Let, let me challenge. And they haven't done that since. Let me Sorry. challenge that though. So you guys say it like, well, they they you know they tried Marvin Scott. They, I I would argue they never did try Marvin Scott. Marvin Scott did not have one game. He had ten carries. So when Dedrick Mills went down, they abandoned running backs. Uh, the only running back that had 10 carries in a game all season last year was Dedrick Mills. So I, and I think when he was healthy, you saw him get 15 carries a game. And, and again, you could argue if that was enough, but and maybe that's what you guys are alluding to. But I, I don't think I, – I think that the argument is when Mills went down, they abandoned the running back. And abandoned the running back position. They went to Wandell Robinson, and they went so heavy on the quarterback carries. Um, all the uh, Illinois, where, yeah, Mark Dedrick Mills wasn't playing, and we ran Luke McCaffrey twenty six times, or whatever that insane number that he ended up having twenty carries in the first half. Like, it, I think that's the problem. Well, e- even in twenty nineteen, it looked it looked at least a somewhat better because. They they were relying on Diedrich Mills. He ran a ball one time less than Adrian Martinez. He had 120 yards more than he did. He had 745 yards. After that, but after that, I mean, Adrian Martinez, Wondell Robinson, Maurice Washington was the fourth best running back, and he only played half the season. Like it worked better having a, a, a one guy to go to. Well, it I, doesn't work to play a one guy one game and then get another guy another game. But I, again, I argue they didn't ever play a guy in a game. Like after Mills, like and and maybe that's just the gap Mills had on it. Like when he was gone, there was like we don't have another guy, and that's why they went that route. But like I think this year they had. I, I think it could be Mills one, uh, not Mills. Step one game, Irvin another game, Morrison. As long as the guys are getting the carries, like that's I guess more my stance. I don't know if it has to be one guy. I, I disagree. I think you need to find. A go-to guy, and then have a backup for him. He can't take every carry. I get it. I think you need to find a backup guy for him. Yeah, Maybe two backup guys for him. That's fine. Maybe you have a situational back. That's fine. You have to, com- you have to you commit to, to one. I, I think you have to commit to one. I think what if you don't have important. the one? What if you don't have the guy, the guy who's going to be able to go 12 games got, in the season? You have four guys who could supposedly possibly start. Out of those four guys, you better have one of them that can fucking do it. And, what what and, if they're all could, the same? What if they're like all about the same talent and it's going to be matchups, it's going to be fresh, it's going to be, oh, this guy's a little nicked up and that little nicked up makes him not as good as the guy who's a little bit fresher. Like, if they're all think- equal... I don't think Ryan Held can afford to botch this year with 
as much talent as what they're talking about as having at running back. If he wants to like, you know, draw half, draw uh, straws out of a hat, you know, and just like go to with one every single different week. I mean, that's on him. I mean, I'm not saying that you go one every single week. So what, what, what's going to look better for Ryan Held right now? Have a thousand yard back or have three backs with 300 yards? Or even four hundred yards. I mean, I think a thousand yard back in that comparison. I mean, I, I think it's a matter of how those four hundred yards are divided. If 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 you tell me we have one thousand yard back and then we have four guys go four hundred yards, and you know there, there's nine one hundred yard rushing games on the season divided by three guys equally, I think that's going to be okay. Like, I, I I I get. Here's the thing. I I agree with the premise that it would be great. When you talk about Keys' success, I think it'd be great to find the guy. I think it'd be great if Marquis Step came in and ran for 1,100 yards. That would be fantastic. I guess I am going to the point of if we don't have that guy, I think just, well, we got to stick to one guy. Minus run running 24 times for three yards of carry and see what happens because we got to stick to one guy. I I want you to start over here because you had running backs at your number three for Keys to success. Why Ultimately, why did you have it at number three? If it, if it's like plug and play, if it doesn't freaking matter, then why? Because I don't know. Because I think you have to find guys. I, if it's two guys, one guy. I don't know if it's a guy. I was never. You need to find one singular guy that's going to step up. You have to see an emergence of the running backs and wide receivers that have to. There's no proven player. We need two or three of these guys. Maybe two running backs, one wide receiver. Maybe one running back, two wide receivers. But you need a couple of these guys to be honorable mention all big 10 to be guys that are like you look at the end of the season like man How are you gonna get a running back all big 10 if you're not going to commit to him or wide receiver i mean there if, if you got even if you got four guys at 400 yards none of those guys are going to make all all big 10 mention with 400 yards again i'm not saying it's going to be four guys or even three guys but i think no, two I guys it, i think two guys wouldn't be terrible and and, and two guys is fine but Again, I think I think you need to give them a, a even if it's sixty forty, like you you need to give one back a majority of the carries. I think Derek and I have higher standards for that, uh, or we're putting more pressure or giving it uh, higher prioritization in this scenario than what you are. I mean, you're just basically like whoever can do it, and let's I, throw it out and, there. And I and I disagree, Tyler. I do think they have the guys, and I don't think these guys are the same. I don't think they're apples to apples because. So, I don't so, think Seve and Morrison is anywhere near the same as what a Mar- uh, Marquis step. So, so my question to you, Derek, is if they have the guy, if Seve and Morrison is the guy, how, if you re- believe the reports, why is it still three-person competition? Because you, you know how many of these positions are still competitions? You can only name two positions on this roster right now that are publicly still competing for it. The corner outside of Cam Taylor Britt and running back. Those are the only two positions that are being from the coaches publicized as but to, competing. But to, but to be fair, those were probably the only two positions for comp- that were competing to begin with. You could have argued right guard was one. You could have argued, I mean, the the, the it, linebackers. It was that, far. It was far and few between of the battles. Like, but, and, and even the battles that were there, like you mentioned, right guard. You kind of knew where it was going. You talk about outside linebacker, you kind of knew where that was because going. Because you knew you had the guy, and that's what I'm saying. It, we're, we're a week and a half from the because season. Because you, pro- you had guys that were somewhat proven there, guys that have played before. 
Outside of maybe the, the right guard situation. But as far as outside linebacker goes, most of those guys have played. Well, the corner outside Cam Taylor Britt. I mean, there's a lot of newness there. I mean, again, I just I, I go to the point of like I, I, I am not. I think it can be done with multiple guys. I mean, I, but I do think the emergence of that position, whether it be two guys, three guys, one guy, I think that is important. I think the emergence of the wide receiver, I, we just need weapons. We need weapons. I, and I don't think you I guys just think it, I think, I think it, I, I, you're right. I, I, don't argue, I don't disagree with you on that. I just think it will look better for Ryan Held and the Nebraska staff as a whole if you have a 700 and a 300-yard back as opposed to – two 400-yard backs or even two 500-yard backs. Like, it may be the same amount of yards. I just think it looks better if you have the established guy. I, it makes more sense to have the guy that you can rely on. All right. So running back, this issue isn't going to go away. When we head into Illinois next week, there's going to be a lot more conversation about running back. Hopefully we hear what the staff is ultimately going to do with the starting quarterback. We'll see if they come out with a depth chart. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. I don't know that uh, the same running back that starts for Illinois will be the same running back that starts for, for Oklahoma. But I will say that the, the running back that starts for Oklahoma probably needs to be your starter the rest of the year. Like, if you haven't figured it out in four games, then we've got problems. Yeah, if, 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 that's – yeah, you're, you're right there. I mean, it shouldn't take that long to figure out who your go-to guy is by then. Uh, I, I'm going to backtrack here a little bit because you guys have both of your top three keys to success uh, already identified. Uh, just to recap, Tyler, you had Adrian Martinez, number one, turnover margin, number two, running back wide receiver, number three. Derek, you had turnover margin, number one, Adrian Martinez health, number two, and running back for number three. Uh, I had Adrian Martinez, one, running backs, three, and turnover margin, four. My number two was downfield passing improvement. And I guess this kind of goes along the lines of Adrian Martinez, but this is something that I think this is something that Nebraska really needs to get better at headed into the fall. Uh, For us to be successful and win some games, we have to have uh, some sort of downfield passing attack and be consistent. Uh, We actually have to throw downfield for one. You can't complete them if you don't throw it down. And this is one of the years where we're hearing a lot of great things about the wide receivers that we have. We got some tall guys, some fast guys. You know, uh, Xavier Betts, he's returning. Uh, We have Austin Allen, big uh, proven tight end. And then you have uh, Oliver Martin, played a little last year. He's trustworthy. And then you got two guys that are new to the roster, well, not, well, one's new to the roster. One would be kind of new to any meaningful snaps with Omar Manning and uh, Samori Toure. Those two guys, they've talked a lot about, and we really need to see them. Uh, our yards per completion last year, uh, just 9.8. Uh, we ranked 115th in the nation in yards per completion. Sure, Adrian Martinez, he completed a lot of passes. But we weren't going downfield. We weren't throwing deep. They were like, they were dump offs. I mean, it was, it was not impressive. Uh, so we just we have to get better in that department. Uh, you guys back pretty much threw your hands up at the same time. Derek, go ahead. All right. Oh, I, what I want to add to that, and here's how you fix some of that. 
Uh, I know I know you like to blame Adrian Martinez for a lot of that, but a lot of what was going on last year, we had no running backs. And so, therefore, everybody was stacking a box and saying, make Adrian Martinez beat us with his arm. Try and stop him running and make him beat, beat you with his arm. Now, if we can get a running back that can solidify himself and back some of the pressure off, that's going to open up things for Adrian Martinez all day long. I think downfield passing will fix itself if he has time to throw the ball. Tyler, do you agree with that? Um, I to to a point. I I I think teams were stacking the box um because they knew we were going to run it and reg- I think they, you know, I, I think a running back still going to make them stack the box. I think they I think teams were stacking the box already last year. I I I don't know if I entirely agree with that as a key to success, Justin. I think my number four kind of goes against that contradiction, which is playing into the strength of the team, which is the defense, which means, yeah, it'd be great if you throw downfield and you complete it. And you, yeah, it'd be great if you could throw 75% on 30 yard passes or more. Sign me up for that all day. That will probably win you some games. To me, though, the, the key is, can you have longer sustained drives? Can you avoid three and outs? And when you take shots, when you're a team like that, like every team that completes long passes are more likely to miss on some of those. And they're going to have quicker threes and outs. And I think it's better if you have longer sustained drives, even if they're not scoring all the time, play the field position. A punt is okay. I mean, it would be great to see and we probably win some games, but unless we're starting to do this at a clip that is better than like, I just think that even the Scott Frost downfield uh, passing attack at UCF doesn't translate to the Big Ten, and that's still going to put our defense at some really bad spots because you're not going to get the ball back 14 times a game and run that many series. So I think you need a little bit longer sustained drives. Of course, we need to throw downfield a little bit better. I'm not as high on that as a key as you are. Yeah, I mean, like in Little League, you know, in Little League Baseball, the guy comes up to the plate, the little guy with glasses and stuff, and the coaches say, "Move!" tells the outfielders, move in, move in, move in. That's what these uh, teams are doing with their safeties. Like when Adrian Martinez is taking the field, move in, move in. They're not, they're not challenging anybody deep. They're not doing that. Well, but if you're going to use a baseball analogy, I mean, I guess it goes to, it, it goes to the thing of obviously if you're a baseball player and you can hit a home run, you know, that that's fantastic. But it's better to get on base than strike out. And I guess that's where my stance is, is like when you're throwing downfield, you're going for the home run consistently. You're going to get more strikeouts. And if you believe this defense is as good as I believe it could be. Like, I think it's better to get on base. And, yeah, maybe you're going to leave some batters up there sometimes. But, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to put enough drives together if you can just get on base and let but the defense to, do that. You have to have that deep ball threat, right? And if you're I, not I taking... I don't know if you have to. I mean... Why? We've won national championships and never been able to throw the ball downfield. Like what are, what are we doing with all these big wide receivers, big, fast wide receivers, if we're not going to use them? What's the I'm, not, point? I'm, I'm not saying we don't use them. I'm just saying like throwing 14 bombs a game is not the, I don't know if that's the recipe that we need for this season. Well, I don't know if we, uh, we need uh, to go uh, that I'll high. Say, I'll say this. Where, where I do agree with Justin is when you throw the deep bombs, if you can make it, make it, uh, 
you got to make it at least part of your offense because otherwise everybody's going to continue to stack the box. Yep. Like if it's not a threat, they are going to stack the box. Like you got to keep defenses honest, as they say. You know, you get so you got to do that. But and, it, the, the, and that's where I came up with the you know the running back situation too. Is as the old adage goes, the running game tends to open up the passing game. And so I, I think if you can keep defenses honest between the, the deep pass and keeping running backs going. The deep, the deep pass, I think, will fix itself with the with the receivers that we have. But you have to be able to throw deep. You have to commit to throwing. You do the ball. have to be able to throw deep. Like, absolutely, that that play has to be in the playbook. And and Tyler, I I hate that. Everyone's like, oh, Nebraska never threw deep. Go back and watch the nineties. Go back and watch Tom Osborne and in, in the in the Orange Bowl of ninety seven when we played Tennessee and look and look how many times Scott Frost threw 15, 20 yards downfield. It happened actually a lot more than you think it did. So if if your it definition was, it, of it throwing deep is fifteen yards, then we have a different definition of throwing deep. Because when That's I consider not my definition either. Yeah, if you're throwing deep is twenty five yards or more, in my opinion, and that's a deep ball. And I don't know, and those are not high percentage passes. No, I mean unless you're yeah. I mean, unless you're playing with Randy Moss out there and you have a 15 I mean if you think our wide receivers are so good that they're going to be running completely open then yeah throw it downfield all the time we'll score 80 points a game it'll be the best team in the world but I just don't know if our wide receivers are going to be quite that open yes do we need to throw downfield more I I agree like I I'm not disagreeing with the premise that we need to have a more down the field passing attack I just think that I, I, I it's guess more important to we need to have a more sustained offense. Like we need to stay on the field. To me, is more important than the quick strikes because I think our defense will keep us in games, and we can win in spite of not having the quick strikes. I agree with that too. And I guess what I was going off of just Justin was complaining about the nine yards per pass attempt. And so, so if I mean, yeah, you need to go deeper than that. I, I don't know that you need to throw forty, fifty yards down the field, but. Well, that's, that's not my definition of throw, you know, downfield passing attack either. What is it, 20, 20 to 25 yards in the air? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to, yeah, you have to, yeah, that's about it. All right, so so sorry I was five yards off of what you were talking about, but I, I think a 15-yard pass slant that can be just as effective as throwing a post-pattern 25 yards. I get it's it's going to be about what the I mean, wide receivers well, can do I mean, with it. Twenty plus, you know that that's it's not like stops at twenty, but you gotta you gotta oh, be I able to reach it. out there. That's fine. I mean, if you want to say twenty plus rather than fifteen plus, I guess whatever. But I, but I think Justin, I I, I but what I think Justin is talking is yeah okay he'll count twenty as one, but he's really wanting to see the 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 thirty yards in the air, maybe not maybe not forty yards, but like. He wants to see a stretch well, team. You just want to see explosive plays. I don't. Again, look, Luke McCaffrey had a sixty-yard, sixty-five-yard pass last year that he threw the ball all of like a yard and a half. Yes, if even. But it was a sixty-five-yard pass, and no one gives a shit about what that was. It, what everybody gives a shit about is it was an explosive play. But Justin does. He that's does what, care about that's it. That's what we need. He does. He No, he doesn't. If Nebraska's running that play 40 times a game, we score 30 touchdowns on it, he don't give two shits. No, and I don't think any I don't think any Husker fans would give that's a shit. That's the whole thing. So 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 basically I think what just I to to me what I think you what instead of saying maybe downfield passing needs to to get better, maybe explosive plays needs to get better. 
Well, that's you know what we don't right. have a lot of explosive plays, like even running yards. Even our explosive running yards came from the quarterbacks, but it wasn't like we ran sixty-yard touchdowns last year. And you know what? I, I like, would I would concede my downfield passing improvement for that explosive yards. And you're right. We do need to have bigger plays like that where we just open it up. Whether it's running back, uh, quarterback. We we did see the quarterback bust a lot of long runs last year with Luke McCaffrey and we, Andrew we Martinez. Did. We we just didn't see it through the air. We never saw and, it through the air. And I guess I would just say, and, and again, I don't have the stat in front of me, and I'm sure there's people that will correct, but I I look at a lot of teams in the Big Ten. You look at the Northwesterns that have won a lot of games, and you look at um, you know Iowa and Wisconsin. I don't think they have explosive offenses. I don't think that is a necessity. It would be great. I'm not going to say no. Like don't. I'm, I'm of course not saying I don't want them. I'm just. I don't. I think our our, de- our defense. Our defense is not where Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin are. Our defense is a lot better than what it was. Yes, but it is not where they are. I, I so think yes, it, we still need. We still need an explosive offense. We need something to counteract our defense giving up big plays because they do still tend to do that. And I don't, I don't see these four or five year starters all of a sudden not giving up big plays. Like they've been doing it for three years. Why are they not going to do it in year four? I all right. So uh, I think we've made our point there. Uh, Tyler's number four, and I'm only going to go to this because he just brought it up earlier. It was coaching to the strengths. I want you to go a little bit more in depth why that was your number four. Yeah, I, I think it's important. Um, you know, we, we've, we've had conversations. Um, you know, it, it is okay for us to punt the ball. Derek, you threw a great stat out um, against uh, Illinois. We only punted the ball twice. Um, and I know you were talking about uh, turnovers. It's okay to punt the ball and give a, our team a chance. Like, I, I think that we need to really, really look at our defense and say, okay, how do we keep them in a position where we're not giving up short fields? And how do we sustain drives and not having quick turns and out? I mean, we were 92nd last year in time of possession. I would like to see that go, and let's get into the 50s and the 40s in the country. I don't need to be like the slowest offense in the world, but let's slow it down a little bit. Let's get some sustained drives. And and let's let our defense because I I don't I, while I don't think our defense is quite as good as Iowa or Wisconsin will be this year but I, I or Northwestern was last year I don't think we're I think we're closer to those teams than we've been under Scott Frost and I think that if we can be in a position to play into that a little bit more I, I do think that we're going to have more success so uh, sustained drives and longer. Longer drives, whether if they result in a field goal punt, I think is really, really key to this season. Derek, well, I mean, I it, it's hard to argue that. I, I think that's pretty standard across college football. I've never liked this twenty-eight minutes of, of, of time of possession. Like you don't win a lot of games that way. Maybe in the AAC you can, but in the Big Ten, Pac, even in the Pac twelve, uh, SEC, any of the big conferences. You don't win games like that. Like, you, you, you do need to control the clock a little bit. Uh, there, there are times that need you need to go fast. There are times that you need to learn to just milk the clock. I, I think Scott Frost has gotten better from year one to year three of milking the clock a little bit. But it still could get a lot better, yes. 
Yeah, you know, the the running teams, they eat up a lot of clock, as everybody knows. And explosive teams don't eat a lot of clock, you know, because they're scoring so fast. We're at that explosive team level of time of possession without any of the points. <laughs> I mean, we're just, we've been lacking. We've been lacking. There's uh, and, and Justin, Justin just named the number one key to why Nebraska is not winning right there. Because we have the explosive time of possession without the points. <laughs> yeah, I guess I simplified it I just mean, like that. You know, I, re- re- really that, that 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 really does simplify Scott Frost's last three years. It really kind of does. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think we, and, and that's the problem is I think when we when when Scott Frost came here, uh, the national perception and and even more so in the in the local perception uh, perception of what Scott Frost was going to do was he was going to score 40 50 points most games and it hasn't happened like we, have we averaged more than 30 points a game under Scott Frost um i think and, that and, first season was like right around that number i i think we did that tale of uh, two halves and i think in the the second uh, the second half of the year, we were like at 35, 36 points a game, I think. Yeah. And Scott Frost mentioned has mentioned numerous, numerous times in his, year, his time here that that's the magic number. Like, we score more than 30, we win a lot of games. Yeah. And, and Tyler, you can scoff all you want, but you go back and look, it's true. Like, you, you go back and look how many times we score over 30, we do tend to win a lot of those games. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it, we do win a lot of them. I, I, I'm not scoffing on it. I mean, I agree. I, I just where, where my head goes is I'm not as confident that this offense has the capability at this point in the journey to be that offense this year. So yes, again, while I do think that is a key and that could work, I just I am not overly oh, confident okay. that that's our offense this year. I, I, I'm not either. I'm not saying that's where our offense is going to be. I'm just stating that. Scott Frost has been successful scoring over thirty points, and, and right now you're right. We we don't. I don't know. The potential's there, guys. Look, I, the the potential of these wide receivers is phenomenal. I still think the potential of Adrian Martinez is really good. So I think the potential of scoring well over thirty points a game isn't that far fetched. Uh. All right, let's move on here. Uh, two of us had special teams improvement in our top five. Derek, you had it as your number four, and I had it as my number five. Why did you have special teams improvement as your number four? Well, you know, it's, it's just we, we, we've talked about this. It, of all the years we've talked Husker football, I don't really remember talking special teams very rarely. I think it kind of started under Mike Riley. We kind of started talking about special teams a little bit. And a lot of it came down to Bruce Reed. And we didn't like the whole special teams coordinator thing. Whatever. Uh, you know, they, they always say that all, all three phases of the game are equally important. Right? So, I here's my problem with what our special teams does right now. It, it's, field, it's, it's average field position. Where we start compared to where our opponents start. And it seems like our opponents almost always start between the 35 and 50. And it seems like we consistently start 25 or less. And 
it's it's obvious that we're not winning games that way. We got to find a kicker who can give us some touchbacks. Uh, we got to find kick kickoff coverage, punt coverage. We got to find a punter who can consistently kick it forty five yards or more. We just we we got to find this, and it's we we found a place kicker. We found a guy who can get us the special the the field goals. I, I, Connor Culp's great. But he doesn't do great with kicking touchbacks, so, so something's got to get fixed. And I, I don't, I, I, that, that's where I come with special teams. It's not in all of the points areas. It's, it's the field position areas. That it's just got to get fixed. Plain and simple. Tyler. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have it in my top five, but I obviously think it is a key. Um, I, everything Derek said is true. I think, you know, you look at what Nebraska used to be. I mean, we used to be really good at special teams. Um, I mean, you I mean, you look at – I know you're talking about a lot about field position and stuff, but, I mean, I mean we had guy. I remember, like, Eric Martin used to be, like, this really, really good special teams guy. He'd go down there and lay people out, and, you know, we used to make these impact plays, and obviously and he you could got go – kicked out of a game against a Texas Tech player, didn't he? Uh, he, I think multiple games probably kicked out, but like our punters, I mean, we had Sam cook and, uh, um, Foles and, you know, we've been good. And obviously at kicker, we've had so much success with Chris Brown, Josh Brown, uh, um, Alex Henry, and obviously Connor Culp joins that ranks, but like, we've been really good. And I think that's been a staple of Nebraska that over the last half decade, we've really lost and our record has reflected it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to move on to Tyler's number five, and that has to do with Cam Taylor Britt. Tyler, so, why is Cam Taylor Britt your number five keys to success? So, so it, Cam Taylor Britt is the guy I named. I think that he because I think he is our best player. It, I mean, it could be JoJo Doman. It could be, um, you know, it, it could be, uh, you know, a, a couple guys. But I want to throw some stats out at you. So. Do you guys know the last year Nebraska had a first-team All-Big Ten non-specialist? Randy Gregory? It was 2014 Kenny Bell. Uh, okay. um, last time we had a All-American. Who Justin hated, by the That's way. That's fair. Justin well, hated Kenny Bell. Okay, last time we had All-American. I don't recall that, Derek. All he did was drop passes. Oh, he used to bitch about God that. Goddamn, he anyway, dropped a sorry. lot of passes. He <laughs> dropped time, a lot of meaningful okay, passes. Last time we had All-American was 2011 um, with uh, Levante David. Um, last time we had a guy drafted in the first four rounds was 2016. Uh, we had three guys get drafted. Where I'm going on this is one of the things Nebraska's been lacking over the recent years, especially under Frost, is a true All-American. Like, I know it's really easy to say Pat Fitzgerald is a really good coach, and he is. Northwestern had two first-round draft picks last year. Um, that That's a reason why they won so many games. I think if Nebraska really wants to take that step forward to where we think, I think we need at least a guy to be in that situation. I think Cam Taylor-Brett is our best chance of this. Um, so I think the emergence of having, like, a true nationally feared player not just a good player not just an honorable mention or second team all big 10 like a true force is something that nebraska really needs and i think cam taylor britt's nebraska's best chance at that i agree i I mean i i think the guy is a stud uh i mean he needs to continue being a stud 
and I think he's only going to get better because he needs to get better. He needs to get better. I mean, he, he if he's the same guy that he was last year, really good player, but I think he needs to take a step forward if if we're going to get to where we want to get to. But if you're plotting his progression out on a chart, I mean, he is trending up. He is definitely trending up. There, he's not flatlining. I mean, he gets better every single year. And the steps that he's taken from what we're hearing out of the coaches and out of the players this year and just his dedication to being a more rounded football player in uh, all the other facets of the game, special teams, you know, you, you hear about it returning and all that stuff. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he's taking it to the next level to be the type of guy that you are talking about. And I think he is at that level. Or will be at that level. Derek? I, I agree with all of that. Uh, one thing I will say is I don't agree with that being a five keys to success of the season. Like, I I don't think one player is going to change the success of the season. I mean. I really don't. I mean, I, I think that the evidence is the years we've had an all-conference player, we have been good. The years that we haven't. Here's the, we here's the problem. Been. I Okay, that's fine, but here's the problem. If Ta- Cam Taylor Britt is as good as we all think he is, and trust me, if we think he's that good, other co- uh, there's other coaches out there that think he's that good too, they're going to start throwing on the other side of the field to him. They're not going to want to throw the ball to him as much. And and so that, that's not going to make him an All-American. I, I, I'm fair. I mean, I, if Cam Taylor Britt is a poor man, Charles Woodson, like, I'm not saying he's going to be Charles Woodson. I'm not there. But if he is like, hey, he can go out there and deliver a special teams play or two. I mean, I think that that is a difference maker. And if teams get scared to punt to him, kick off to him, that's not bad either. I, again, I. I mean, if you want to talk special teams, I mean, that's that's one thing. That, but... that plays into it. I mean, that plays into why I think he's such a vital part. I think that. And again, I, I don't disagree. Like, maybe that's it. I just. I think Nebraska needs to find a all-conference type player, and I think that is really, really important. Like, it, it's nice to say, "Well, we're going to win; everyone's going to be good." But I think we need a guy that's going to be an All-American type candidate, uh, first-team All-Big Ten type guy. I, again, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I just don't. When I'm looking at five keys to success, that's not one of my five i guess i'm not trying to well i'm not trying to be an ass about it i just don't i don't think one player is making us win five more games well i i think i if if you told me that well let me let me just i think that if we have an all-american guy and our special teams were what they were last year we would we'd be fine like i mean it'd be great to have everything it'd be great if every i mean if we had all these things we could probably keep going down this list we probably could get to a national championship if all these things just kept emerging. <laughs> like, but I, I, I to uh, me, I, like having all, I, if I, I'm I, ranking them, that to me, that having a first, an all American would be higher up than special teams or throwing the ball 30 yards. And that's fine. I, I just, we'll all agree to disagree. I, I, I don't think one player makes a team. I, I, Unless it's quarterback, unless it's the quarterback, unless it's Adrian Martinez on the 21 team. Hey, I want to talk about one thing here that we we all got our top five in here, but there's one category that did not get mentioned by any of us, and I kind of thought it would, and that has to do with penalties. Penalties has been like a uh, 
cause for concern on the podcast for the last three years. Uh, Scott Frost, he alludes to it uh, at most of his press conferences about killing ourselves on drives and all that stuff. And we finished 94th in the country with uh, 60 yards per game in penalties. Uh, how do you see this, Derek? The, the reason I didn't put this in my top five, and this is, a, this is the big reason. 2019, we were like top 25 in penalties. We did well, and we didn't win a lot more games doing good with penalties. What we need to be able to do is have an offense that can overcome the penalties. What we need is a defense that can overcome the penalties. Right. It's not the penalties themselves. We need to be able to overcome them. That that was the problem last year. That's what irritated me so bad last year was our offense would move the ball down the field. The second we got a penalty, you just as well punt it because we couldn't do anything. And I don't know why that was, but you've got to be able to overcome that. You can't dwell on it and just all of a sudden fall apart because, oh, we got a holding penalty. Yeah. Oh, we got a false start. And like, it, overcome it. It did feel like that was the trend. You know, I mean, when we were at home watching the game from the couch, uh, anytime that we saw a penalty after a great drive, I mean, it sucked the air out of me. I mean, it was like, yeah. oh, because I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I was like, okay, well, we're either putting or so attempting I, a field goal. But again, when you look at top, when you look at twenty nineteen, we're top twenty five in least amount of penalties. It didn't change the record that much. Like I, so so that was the reason I didn't put it in my top five was because I don't know that limiting the penalties was helping us as much as being able to overcome them. Tyler, did you consider penalties? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of played into my, uh, you know, the defensive thought of time of possession. And, um, you know, I, I probably could have just said in playing into the defense, I probably could have leaned towards field position slash time of possession. I think penalties negating those will both play into that. But I'm kind of with Derek that, like, I think you can be a, a penalized team and still win a lot of games. Like, I, I don't know if. Well, I mean, look, look, Scott Frost proved that you can have a lot of penalties and overcome it. At Oregon, and not saying that he was, it was all offensive penalties, but his offense overcame penalties all the time. At, and at UCF, his, his, he was one of the highly, most high uh, penalized teams in the country, but they still scored 45 points a game. Well, so you can, you can overcome it. You could be highly penalized and still win a lot of games. But it, to, with Nebraska, it seems like, to your point, like penalties weren't just like bad. It was like, Hey, we went down that very first drive, scored a touchdown. We held an opponent to three and out, and then all of a sudden we're driving, about to go up fourteen nothing to start a game, and then we shoot ourselves in the foot. Or against Minnesota, we're about to go in halftime with a two touchdown lead. I think it was at that time we're up seventeen to three, if I recall. And all of a sudden, Cam Taylor Britt gets targeting, gets thrown out of the game. Minnesota gets a shot, and they score a touchdown and go in the halftime uh, instead of us getting the ball back with two and a half minutes right before half, maybe getting a drive. Like it just changed everything. So like, I, you know, Jeffrey, the Greek came on our podcast last year and we, I don't know if this was on the podcast or like after we were talking to him, he just pointed out something that all Nebraska fans have seen, like our ability to shoot ourselves in the foot at the most inopportune times is almost remarkable. Like it is like, like you can't make this shit up. This stuff that Nebraska does to ourselves. And We've done it for three years. Here's what I want to ask you, though. So, yes, we do good at shooting ourselves in the foot. Why is it 
that we can never recover from it. Well, I don't know, but I, when it happens, I'm never shocked anymore. I was like, yeah, there, that, that there, 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 there was one time, I think, I believe against Purdue, when we had penalty above, above penalty. But the only reason we overcame that was because they were calling uh, Purdue with uh, that late hit on one on the same drive. And we were like third and 30, and they, gave, they had that late hit on one of our wide receivers. Gave us a first down. I mean, there were like 10 penalties on the one drive between the two teams. It, it was weird. It was oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. I don't remember the details, uh, but I do remember a five like that. I do remember I do remember it was third and extremely long, and the only reason that drive continued was because there was a ball overthrown his head by his head for half a day. And after he landed, a defender came and hit him in the back, and it was Xavier Betts that got hit. Uh, and, and it was a late, it was a, a unnecessary roughness penalty. It gave us an automatic first down. Anyway, we, 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 Nebraska, for whatever reason, can't overcome it. Like there were also drives. I don't know how many drives last year where Adrian Martinez got a 20 yard run, got called back for holding. And, and then I, like Justin said, it just takes the wind out of you. Like, you're just like, oh, well. And like I said earlier, you just well punt it because, all of a sudden, now we can't do anything. I, same thing on defense. I, yeah, Cam Taylor Britt got kicked out of that game against Minnesota, but we couldn't stop him after that. Like, yeah. it's the one player. Like, you just said one player doesn't make it, man. Maybe he was in that game. Maybe he <laughs> makes it. But I don't know that it does because it wasn't like it was. It, all of a sudden, Ibrahim is just running the ball like mad against us. I mean, it's not like Minnesota Cam went in the second Brent. half, and Cam. Minnesota scored what one, two touchdowns in the second half. I mean, it wasn't like Minnesota came and like absolutely and, and, lit and, up. And, I mean, and, and again, then, our, then all of a sudden our offense gets abysmal. Like that had nothing to do with Cam Taylor Britt. Well, that was I, I. I. I mean, you know, I've been critical of PJ Fleck, but that game was. You know, you guys talk about like I think it wasn't even eight guys in the box against Minnesota. It was they started playing this like shell defense they threw the ball too much well they, they started playing the shell defense where they're like they, we're they not were gonna talk about this they were talking about this on husker extra uh just the last their last podcast talking about this minnesota game and i didn't realize how bad this was minnesota only brought four defensive linemen to this game that's all they brought no because kidding. they were yeah and we ran the ball very minimal against them like that game plan was shit what was now was Mills healthy that game? I, I was that I don't think he was in that and not that I mean maybe that's a different goes back to our running back conversation. But I thought that was another game that he was injured. It might have been, but when you only have four defensive linemen, they have to stay in the whole game. You have to be running that ball and wearing them down. It doesn't matter who you're running because back is at that point. Well, I don't disagree. They're gonna get they're gonna get wore down and they're gonna get ran all over. But we but didn't do that. We pat. We passed it like 40 times. Well, the thing with Minnesota was, and, and that, that's a really interesting step, but Minnesota wasn't putting safeties at the line of scrimmage. They weren't playing. They were playing a shell deep. They were sitting there saying, well, we know you're not going deep, and we're not really scared of you running the ball, so we're going to sit there about that 10-yard line and basically sit like seven guys back there and just say, yeah, good luck trying to find a lane here, guys. And to your point, that I mean, like that was a terrible game plan by Frost by not just shoving it down their throat and getting five yards of carry. But like, live live with it. Just get four to five that's yards a, of carry. I mean, that's a year five head coach there for you too. I mean, and again, they weren't playing that. If you go back to that game, they weren't playing that kind of defense that first half. 
they were trying to they were trying to stop it. Like Adrian had a really really effective first half throwing on them because they were putting the safeties in the box. They were trying to stop everything in the line of scrimmage, and Adrian was just picking them apart, picking them apart, and then it was working. And then they made the adjustments, and then Frost never went back. But um, anyway, but yeah, I I, uh, yeah, I guess I don't even know how we got to that. But I, I think that that's why penalties aren't as high to me. Is I think that to Derek's point, like. Like there's a, it's important, but there's a lot of things that you could do to overcome them, and you know maybe just not get ejected in the at a key spot would be a nice change of pace. Well, I, th- I think we can all agree that the targeting rule is still dumb. Yeah, like players getting kicked out of games is just dumb, unless it's malicious. Like and I don't know how you, I don't know how you could tell. If it's malicious or not, I, I got because it's all about, I mean, intent, and I, there's no way to be able to tell intent. They've come a long way in that targeting rule, though. I mean, they've, I mean, they've done they're, a they're lot not, to correct. I mean, now they're allowed to sit on the sideline. Hell, before, I mean, you remember there was a point where even if they overturned it, the player was still kicked out. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, they, they've come a long and way. had to leave the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean. They, they they have come a long way, but I, I still hate the rule. I just anyway. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up here for our uh, keys to success for the Huskers in the fall. A uh, lot of great conversation here. Uh, I think uh, Husk Husker Cuzcast listeners can get a double dose of the Husker Cuzcast because. We were guests on the Generation Red podcast uh, the other night. Had a great time with uh, Ken and Scott over there. They do a great job. Newer podcasts. They love the Huskers just like all of us do and all of our listeners. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously love the Huskers. And uh, they do, too. So we had a great time. Uh, you can follow them at uh, on Twitter at GenRedPod. You can find their podcasts on genredpod.com. Find their episodes on Spreaker and anywhere you get your podcasts. But, guys, wasn't that a fun time? You know, we talked about uh, we debated the over and under on offensive and defensive stats. I mean, God, that was a fun time. It's always fun talking about that. I love doing that episode. That's always fun. I mean, and I think Go that, ahead. you know, I mean, you know, the, it, it's a father-son for people who haven't listened. I mean, it's, it's definitely a family feel. They invited us into their family. And but in the content, I think we had a really, really entertaining episode. Um, you know, I, there, there was a lot of faces being made by some of the throw out, the, the numbers thrown out, what we thought. Uh, so if you're fans of ours, um, you might be surprised by some of our uh, takes there. Uh, I think Justin was the sh- most shocking to me. He plays this pessimistic guy, but he he was optimistic on a couple things. He was more optimistic than I was on a couple numbers. I I had the op- most optimistic take on rushing one of off- the categories. Was it rushing, rushing off? off- rushing of touchdowns. Yeah, he th- he, he, he yeah, thinks whatever Marky- it was. I was like, I shocked myself. But yeah, it, it was great content. They do a great job. Uh, listen to that episode. Listen to all their content. Yeah, I I, I highly recommend them. We will be sharing that episode, tweeting it out, so look for that one also. Uh, but, guys, this has been fun. Hey, next week when we get uh, when we meet up, it's going to be game week for the Illinois game. We've almost made it, man. 
gosh. You know, it, it's I'm so excited. I'm going to Illinois. Um, yeah, anyone's listening still at this point, um, I'll be there with my uh, in-laws, my family. We're going to have a nice little tailgate. So hopefully maybe meet up with a couple of Husker fans out there. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, God, I'm so ready for this. I mean – this I I really am going into this season, guys. I mean, we've talked about this, but I there's a lot of optimism right now, and there probably is. I I don't think I was this optimistic last year. Like I I I know we say we are every year, but last year I feel like I was like, yeah, this is gonna be a rough year. Like this is gonna be, a, and I, and this year, like I don't know how many wins it accounts to, but I'm excited. Have you been to Champagne before, Tyler? Yep, yep, I went in 2019 when uh, Adrian put on the show. Okay. How, how is that stadium anyway? I mean, it's not It's not Memorial Stadium. It's not the shoe. Um, you get good seats no matter where you are, so. I mean, how, how crowded was it in 2019? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it was, I think it was fairly full because mainly Nebraska fans. I, this stadium's going to be half red. I mean, it's going to be a lot of Husker fans there. I, I really yeah, think I we're going to show out for this. Well, Derek and I, we already have our uh, bets in on, on Nebraska at minus seven. I, don't, I hope that doesn't give away our score prediction, but uh, I need we're it. feeling I, it. I, I'm going back to gambling, guys. I, I About every... Uh, Every, every few years I give it up, and, I, and then I, I, it brings me back, and I, I think I'm going back, and, uh, and yeah, I think it's coming back. So I, I have a good feel on this season. I feel like I know what's going to happen this season. All right, well, we'll see. We're going to be playing our uh, games again this uh, this season. But, uh, Derek, do you have anything to add about Illinois? Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Kick All right. Ass. Let's get out of here. Uh, special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate, review, and share. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening, and as always, Go Big Red! Touchdown!